Welcome to So Many Bits. I'm your host, Bill Nielsen, and joining me from her palatial two-bedroom condo in the city of Chicago is Di Billick. Di, how are you? I'm fine. Your face is being obscured by a beautiful bouquet of flowers that I assembled myself. It's a it's a hobby of mine that I really hope picks up in the future. That's so strange because, from my perspective, your face is obscured by a beautiful bouquet of flowers. You know, it looks, it's, this look isn't this a posh ass table? This comes out to be a 12 person table and my mother-in-law gave it to us and she gifted me these crystal candlesticks for Christmas and we have a chandelier, like we're under a chandelier. We look posh as hell and really we're, we're not, we're just, we're not. It's good. We're, we're talking about video games and te- children's television sitcoms from the early aughts. I mean, this is what your mother-in-law intended for us to do with this table, right? This is correct. Also, uh, just I just want to end aside right now. I've just This is an epiphany. 10-year-old Diana Hanasek was told that I would have a nice little setup that looked very Martha Stewart-y, and then we would be talking about video games around the Martha Stewart setup. I'd be very happy. Well, Di, thank you so much for coming back on. Uh, it's been a little while. I, I'm always glad to hear more about uh, Final Fantasy and <laughs> Dragon Age. So I look forward to that. And also, I look forward to the interview that will be happening later on in this podcast where I talked with Kyle Seeley. Kyle is the developer behind Emily is Away, Emily is Away 2, and coming up, Emily is Away 3. So uh, glad to get in touch with him again. Uh, before that, Di... You and I have to do some screen watching. Oh boy, this one's a hard one. I was outside watching some dear frolic. You don't even care about the outside, do you? Yeah, I mean, you really, you have few people to blame besides yourself. I mean, you could blame me. (laughs) I could blame you because it was on the list. It is a list that I put together of television shows and movies that feature video games in some way. And uh, so you did select from the list, though, this show in this episode i had never seen the show and i didn't know anything about it so i came in with pretty high expectations and i was disappointed well uh you know i (laughs) i was disappointed as well uh we watched uh drake and josh We did. There's no lie. And you know what? I did a solid to the podcast just on principle, and I watched the entire thing. I even watched the after credits. Oh, geez. <laughs> I mean, you really had to to get the full scope of the arc of that story, though. Really, it was a complicated story. It was convoluted and mature. And uh, this episode that we watched was called The Bet, Season 2, Episode 1, original air date, March 14th, 2004. You know, I thought this was more of a, I thought this was a newer show. Shows what I know, which is nothing. It really is a timeless piece, though. I mean, it could come from any era and still be comedic gold. It was gold. Uh, I, you know, especially great was the acting and all around gorgeous, beautiful acting. I was so impressed. You know. taking notes from my own career. So Drake, I mean, Drake, I thought was okay. 
I felt okay. like he was a little more natural. Drake was amazing, and so was Josh. Everything was perfect. That's a lie. Don't was- lie to us, you liar. <laughs> we don't bring you on to be lie Billick, okay? Lie Billick. How did you figure out my secret name? Because you always give me the fake name. Don't say it. And I was it. like, no, you're a liar. Therefore, your name must be Lie Billick. But it's spelled like the, the, the chemical that you use to make uh, Bavarian pretzels. Don't say it three times fast in a mirror. So back to this amazing episode. Yeah. Uh, wow. Two competitive stepbrothers. Uh, I've never seen Drake and Josh before this. So I guess they're stepbrothers. One is... Uh, t- it was really interesting how they made the the skinny, dorky-looking one really love junk food, and they made the bigger, dorky-looking one like gaming. And it was just like a really strange shame off where they, <laughs> I don't know, it made me it made me unhappy because I I like junk food and gaming, and I couldn't relate to anything that was going on the screen. <laughs> well, just to set the stage. Uh, so Drake and Josh open the episode. Josh is playing video games, and Drake is eating junk food. And their mom stops by and is like, now, kids, go deliver this umbrella to your sister. Miranda Cosgrove. iCarly. Mm-hmm. Later, iCarly. Never saw it. Uh, it's another one of these type of shows, Perfect. I think. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and they're, you know, absorbed in their world of playing video games and eating junk food Mm -hmm. so they don't do it they don't do it because they love eating junk food and they're that distracted they really are by playing video games and eating junk food right 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 very realistic and you know you go through the intro to the show and you flash forward and uh uh-oh Miranda Cosgrove is not happy she comes home and she's been drenched walking like half a block I think or whatever yeah yeah it was like you know a few doors down and the mom grounds both of them together in their shared room uh, this is one part that I did find accurate, though, is when they went to the room, they were still playing video games and eating junk food because that's totally what a kid would do. They would have their room stash of things to distract them. Agreed. They had exactly. And also, room is your respite from your horrible family. Anyway, that's not how sitcoms work, but that's how real life works. If your family is horrible, that's just what happens. And in this room, they kind of come to a conclusion that they both have a bad habit. I mean, it's not really that artfully uh, decided on. They're like, ah, I, I think you shouldn't eat junk food. Ah, I think you shouldn't play video games. And, I mean, everything in moderation is fine. I wish they would have just said that. But, no, there was no real there's no real message here. It became a competition, and they decided to have a, a contract written up for this competition of whoever caved had to dye their hair pink. And one of the only good jokes in the episode was the contract being read. And uh, whoever caved had to dye yeah, their, their hair, hair pink. Uh, that was a Wait cute a play on words. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. your name isn't Liabilic, right? I don't know if the, so. The, is your is your name the, dye their hair pink, Billick? We, yes. How did you find that was my other secret name. God damn it. What the shit? Listen, just don't say dye your hair pink Billy three times to a mirror. Well, yes, that, that was actually a good joke. The, the dye. It was the one joke, the and then over. they brought it back at the very end. I, th- I, th- I felt okay about that callback because, like, dads are dumb. 
So like yeah. having the dad be dumb enough to think we're gonna die from this contract. It was good. It it felt good. That was the only th- thing that made me laugh. Anyway, uh, so they uh the two brothers Drake and Josh, they were very very competitive. They took one another up on this offer, and uh, all of they started suffering to a ridiculous, ludicrous, unfunny degree where I just rolled my eyes and I was like, if I were a kid, I don't think this would be funny to me. Yeah, uh, Josh, so I mean, I do think like Drake was all right and Megan, the the, the younger sister, she was all right. And Josh was- As actors? Yeah. They were great. And you know, the, the mom like, was good too. Josh did seem great to me. He's a I'm, horrible actor. Like- I don't know if it was his idea or if the like a producer is like you need to have like a New York accent, Josh. I was thinking that too. But like he couldn't really pull it off without like elocuting all his words Ugh. in a very distinctly New York accent, where it took him like twice as long to say anything as any other character in the show. You do a really good, Josh. Uh, Thank you. I don't know if you remember this, but I taught child actors for years in the John Hancock Tower, years, and. Uh, this kid was, I mean, this kid had to have been the worst of the bunch. I know that our program taught a couple of Disney Channel kids who went on to Disney Channel. I don't know where the hell they got this kid. He sucked. The other kids were good. They were really good. This kid was horrible. That's all I thought the whole time. I wanted to just coach him. And he's probably like 86 years old now, but I do want to track him down and be like, who was your coach, you little bitch? I think they're both like in their early 30s right now. <laughs> probably our age. Yeah. And you know, Drake looked way older than his character was supposed to be. I couldn't really get a sense of how old they're supposed to be, like at all. Like, are they in high school? They is that act the idea? Like they're in fifth grade, though. Because yeah, like, and Drake at the beginning is like, "I like bikinis." Right. It's like that's weird. I know. That's a weird thing for a child to say. It's so strange. Maybe, maybe not a high schooler, I guess. But listen, there are a lot of issues with this thing. Yes, yeah, so just just to make sure that stipulations are clearly stated, Josh can't play video games and Drake can't eat junk food, and the, the we believe the first person who breaks that their uh, promise will lose and have their hair dyed pink. Yes, uh, and wow, let me tell you, addiction to video games is probably real because I think you can be addicted to any behavior because it lights up the reward systems in the brain. Any behavior, any substance whatsoever, you can be addicted to. But let me tell you something. This episode made Josh start playing with appliances as if that weren't the dumbest and most unrealistic thing in the world. Because like beeping and turning on a blender was the way that he dealt with not being able to play video games. It was really, really absurd. Like so dumb. He was over. He was outrageously acting, just the regular playing of video games, and then when he went to playing on the blender, he's like, uh, "Oh, what was he saying? Like, oh, popcorn, defrost. I wanted spin, spin. I honestly wanted to put my head in a blender when I watched that. It's it is my own fault. Um, I, I, so then. Uh, Drake gets a rash yes. because he didn't eat fats and sweets, which is like, okay, I understand that if you're going to build a world, then it, you can have any rules you want. But, and I say this as a writer and I sound like, I sound like a, an idiot right now, but like, I'm sorry. 
you can't have a world that is so 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 close to our real world and then just like randomly th make up some health thing like that like if you don't eat junk foods and fats you're going to get a rash on your face like with our current health epidemic going on right now that made me so mad <laughs> it made me so mad it was such a strange thing to say <laughs> and it was so strange that they had a house call from a doctor across from the across the 21st street. century I know. Like, I guess, I'm guessing it's just, like, they don't have a doctor set. They don't have, like, a medical set they can use. So they just have, have the doctor come to the house. Um, also, that guy plays a doctor on Days of Our Lives. Oh, he does? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, he huh. does. Mm -hmm. yeah. He did fine. <laughs> he, he was fine. Fine actor. It's like, I, I did like when the dad was like, oh, boy, it's really good that we could have a doctor visit our house. And he's like, yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Also, wow, ham-fisted exposition. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so at that point, I think, like, the bet should be a push. Because, like, you can't, like, medically harm a child for the sake of your bet. That's where the parents should be like, That's what Drake, I was thinking, you can't, too. You, you have to stop this bet. We're not going to let Josh dye your hair pink. Just yeah, stop. Eat your junk food so you feel better. Honestly, it made me so mad. Anyway, so then what happens is, so that upped the stakes for him to eat junk food. And then... Their grandmother sent them the new game sphere, and it's just a ball, which was extremely annoying. It's just a, a clear plastic ball that was supposed to be a video game. Uh, game sphere. I know that it was probably like a, a dig on GameCube or like a trying to emulate that type of thing, but like, come on. It was, I'm very sure, it was, I'm very sure, meant to be like a take on that, but also. There is a separate gag from South Park. Okama Gamesphere. Yeah, they they did that in like 2001. And they did it properly. It was funny. And it was it was like what I remember watching that and I was like, "Yes, this is my life." <laughs> I did all that. Like, did, did you ever stay home from school when you were a kid to play video games? Yeah. Like, oh, I did I did that and those the, those were the best days. Playing all day from the time you woke up in the morning. Oh no, I'm sick. It's video game time. And like Okama Gamesphere, they stayed in. Those boys stayed in the house for a very long time. This was unrealistic. This was unrealistic in comparison. Anyway, I hated the sphere because he held it up and there were no wires attached to it and it made me want to die. The grandma got it three weeks before the release. Tell me how that happened. They didn't even say how that happened. That just doesn't, it just doesn't happen. They didn't I, really take the time to figure out how that was going to work. Listen, I'm mad at this show. It's not a good show, <laughs> I don't Di. Know if you I, can tell. I feel slightly to blame for putting it on the list, but you picked it. I'm going to pick all the worst ones from now on. Oh, because I like complaining. Oh, I don't get I don't get to complain enough in my real life. Well, okay, I guess that's good. I'm glad we can complain together about this. <laughs> so, so the final escalation is that Josh turns their shared bedroom into a candy land and drake is like how did you afford this and josh like shushes him and then they never like actually explain how that happened mm. but like he's covered josh has covered the room in candy he is filled a kiddie pool with chocolate milk which is really gross like it that's looks, gonna be unsanitary very it, fast it looked disgusting and for the record it wasn't real chocolate milk i know that the art department just made it look like chocolate milk you what have been like water dyed with brown paint or something yes it's okay. exactly probably what it was crayola brown paint with Ugh. water mm -hmm. well so drake like retaliates by starting to play the game sphere in front of josh 
and saying ludicrous things. Just go away forever. Drown yourself in the fake milk. In the end, though, they both snap at exactly the same time and start. Drake starts eating candy and Josh starts playing the game sphere. Then they decide, though, that they both lost the bet and can't agree on who won, which leads to them taking a dive into the chocolate milk kiddie pool. And for no reason, just wrestling in the chocolate milk kiddie pool. This was a show made for Nickelodeon, though. I guess they're like, ah, it's got to be gross and, like, for kids. I think this was a show made for three-year-olds, and it's uh, perfectly suited to three-year-olds with horrible messages. It's pretty great, except the one message, which is, like, Megan is the smartest person in the family and, like, enjoys watching her family mates suffer. Agree, because uh, she's a very small little girl. Uh, so in the end, she pulls out the contract, and it says that if it's broken... You have to dye your hair pink. It doesn't say. Right. It's it's not implied that it was a race. And the parents bet against the kids and selected a kid that would lose. And since everyone lost. Which was also messed up, by the way. Yeah, I, I know. And they were so competitive about it. And I apparently competition totally fine. Uh, but, you know, this is kind of out of control. Uh, they, uh, I just saw the game. I got extremely distracted. But it's because it's, it's not started yet. But I was really, uh, I was alarmed because I thought it did. Sorry. Um so everyone ends up dyeing their hair pink in the end, except for Drake, who it was just a wig, even though his hair looked identical to all the other horrifically badly styled wigs. Yeah, surely they wouldn't have just put all the actors in wigs, except for Drake. They would have dyed all their hair, right? And then just put Drake in the wig? It honestly would have been so much easier if they would have used that spray, because it really does look real, and it would have been funnier. Like the stuff you get in like costume shops and stuff? Yeah. It's, it washes right out. Yeah. I used that once. Unfortunately, like it, it kind of stained the shirt I had on. I was, and so this is true. Yeah. This is true. Um, this was just a this was a horrible screen watching experience for me. And this it, it was is. it's just really bad. It's really bad. The only thing I can say in this show's defense is like I watched a fair amount of like Boy Meets World mm-hmm. on TGIF, and mm-hmm. I'm like, that's probably as bad as this show. Like if I'm being fair. Like, that show is pretty bad, too. This show is just like that, but for a different generation than mine. Right. That's the nicest thing I'm going to say is, it's bad, but, like, if you were the right age, I'm sure you liked it. And just, you know, that was what was given to you, so you didn't know. Exactly. Like, on-brand child programming. There it is. So let's rate this train wreck. Please, yes. Uh, So, first of all, Die, we have to rate this on accuracy. So on a scale of 6 to 10, if with 6 being completely inaccurate to how games are played and 10 being lifelike accuracy, how would you rate the video game playing in this episode of Drake and Josh? 6 for two reasons. First reason, uh, they both kept mashing buttons before the game even started playing, and perhaps that was the editor's mistake. Second reason, uh, Drake used having a wireless controller as like, a a way to like tease Josh into really wanting to play it. That really put it over the edge for me. Yeah. I got to give this like, I'll give it a six and a half because I think at the start of the episode, uh, Josh is using like an actual PlayStation controller Mm -hmm. to like play the game. And he's got like an actual game boy, Mm -hmm. but everything about like how he plays the games is completely absurd. And over the top, he's like, wiggling in his chair and he's like and then like he stops playing the console game to switch to the handheld game and it's like look I'm 
I'm not saying I've never done that, but I've never done it like that. You've never damn done it. it like that, exactly. <laughs> you listen, we've all done that. We've all had. We've all, we've all been trying to catch Pokemon and also play like our online game on our Xbox. That's totally normal. And we do it in silence, and we do it in in almost like small shame because, listen, we are we are almost middle-aged human beings. <laughs> Maybe we're the ones who are wrong. Maybe Josh is the one who's got it together more than us. Maybe we should start yelling about the red shell as we switch from console to console for some reason, even though he clearly didn't save. Next up is condescension. Uh, Dai, if you found this to be completely not condescending towards video games, give it a 6. If you found it to be extremely condescending, give it a 10. 10. Absolutely 10. For like eight different reasons, honestly. For what I just mentioned as far as like how he was playing the game, the sphere, the sphere made me so, so mad, honestly. It didn't have wires on it. How are you supposed to play that? Are you supposed to throw it at your TV? Anyway. That'd be pretty rad if you d- could, to be honest. D- give me a 10. You know, honestly, also because of the the switching of to from the console to the handheld, like in the way that he did. Yeah, it, it stunk. That that was a ten. Like, they just are. Drake is just ragging on Josh about playing video games. Calls him a loser for doing it, and gives him no reason why he's a loser for doing it. It's the worst. I really was annoyed by that. And then Josh himself and the way he portrays the playing of the games and like how he can't live without it for even a moment. He's like, I really have to play video games. So much. Oh my God. And you know, if I were a kid and seeing this, it would still be so inconsistent with the way that real life was because no, like everyone loved it. You know what? There were nerdy people in, in my school growing up when I was very young who hated video games and they were nerdy because they didn't like to have fun. And, like, all the cool people loved video games. I just remember having, like, video game parties. It was so fun. Like, get out of here with that. It's just such a lie. I'm over it. I'm over that weird, like, video games are, like, nerdy thing. Mm -hmm. It's for the bed. (laughs) And lastly, entertainment. Die uh, on a scale of six where six is completely unentertaining to ten where it was, like, howling out loud. Six. Okay. Sorry for interrupting you, but six. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'll give it a seven because I thought uh, Megan, played by Miranda Cosgrove, was did a pretty good job, and there were a couple funny jokes. She was on screen for like 40 seconds. She had little tiny blurbs. That's all she had. She did. <sighs> but like, I, I think they did a good job when they had a chance, and like I thought the there were a couple funny jokes. A couple, couple funny jokes. Hey, the, the last episode of a show I watched, I found like literally one joke that I liked in the entire episode. And Oof. They were selling a lot of jokes and they were all really bad. Yikes. We should be, um, not like we all haven't tried, but, you know, I, I think I'm going to, I think I really want to write a kid's show and make it non-condescending to children. There are some shows out there that manage it, just uh, not this one in particular. And uh, I do have some good news for you, though, Di. Uh, first of all, the uh, Drake and Josh are working on a project together, though they insist it is not a revival of Drake and Josh. They're working on something else. Oh, okay. And the mom played the character Serafina in a world of Final Fantasy. So, you know, there is a Final Fantasy connection to Drake and Josh. Really? Yes. Get the hell out of here. 
Okay, I'll see you later. <laughs> We're going to go to break. Uh, I'm going to get out of here, and then I'll come back. But after talking to Kyle Seeley about his games, Emily is away. And we are back from break. Joining me on this palatial VoIP line to uh, just talk once again is Kyle Seeley. Uh, Kyle and I previously were able to chat briefly at PAX East 2019. You can listen to that on episode 185, PAX East Part 1. Uh, but, you know, I wanted to reconnect and see how things were progressing with his upcoming title, Emily is Away 3. So, Kyle, first of all, thank you so much for joining me on the line. Thanks so much for having me. To begin, I think it might be best for the listener, uh, if they may not be familiar already with the game, if you could give like maybe a one to two minute summary of what Emily is Away 3 is. Sure thing. Yeah, so Emily is Away 3 is an interactive story that takes place on Facebook in 2008. So you play as a high school senior and you talk to all your friends and you kind of uh, make choices that impact your senior year. I mean, that that's, uh, I think, a pretty unique style of game. Like, with the uh, previous games, Emily is Away and Emily is Away 2, those were taking place on America Online Instant Messenger, or AIM, as probably most people actually call <laughs> yeah. it. Yes. So Sorry. Yeah, so this one is um, this one takes place on Facebook. So the first two took place on AIM, and we're a little bit earlier in the early 2000s, and this one's right at the end of 2000, to like 2008, 2009, on Facebook, right when it came out to... Uh, high school students. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I remember like back in, uh, I, I think I first got my Facebook account in like New Year's Eve 2007 because I, I was in uh, school at the time, University uh, at Buffalo. And I, I just remember uh, I didn't know what to do on Facebook. So I would just like type watching TV. <laughs> yeah. Just, like that's the entire status, watching TV. Exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I love that about early Facebook is that like there was all these features and it was all up to, like, your friend group to kind of figure out how to use it, which I think is hilarious. Like, the status thing is hilarious, like how it always put the is in your status, so you always had to phrase it in a specific way. Or how, like, they added the notes feature, which was for creating long-form content, um, but people just posted, like, surveys, like, copy-pasted surveys in there. <laughs> so I think that's what's, like, really interesting is, like, we got this tool, and it's so different now, but, like, back then it was, like, all this, like, really small stuff... <laughs> And like really, um, like quaint things now. Now with the change from AIM, which was primarily one-on-one -on -one conversations with other people, mm -hmm. to the Facebook platform, how does that impact the gameplay? Yeah. So in the in the first game, Emily's Way One, you could talk to one other person. In two, it was like two characters you were interacting with. And now in this one, it's obviously expanded greatly because Facebook is a platform for your entire friend group. Um, so in this one, there's five or six characters, depending on your playthrough, that you have uh, dialogue with, and you can interact on Facebook via like wall posts and event and, and like pokes and stuff um, with your entire friend group. It's a refocusing of the story, basically. So instead of this one-on-one -on -one personal connection with another character, it's more about kind of how your friend group progresses over senior year based on your relationships which, with each of person in that friend group now you did already mention pokes but will there also be like other kinds of like game invites and stuff like that that you would see just randomly from your friends on facebook oh for sure yeah and that's like that's that's like my favorite part of making these games is going back and like thinking about all these weird interactions that you'd have like 
um, like third party apps, like getting invited to do like combat compatibility tests with another person, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I, I definitely wanted to put all of that into the game where it was like narratively appropriate to do so. Now, how do you seek that kind of information out? Like, I don't know if there's really anyone yet archiving how Facebook used to be. So like, where do you go to get an idea of like what 2008 Facebook was like for people? Well, I mean, mostly it comes from my own personal experiences with the platform in terms of like specific things that in ways that we would use the technology uh, to interact. But that can get a little difficult because you don't have a lot of like visual memory. Um, thankfully, there are some screenshots, but it's it's difficult because like like Facebook's on the way back machine, but you can't sign in. You can't view, you know, past that login page. So it's hard to kind of like Frankenstein back together these this interface um, that you have in your memory. But yeah, screenshots help. And then just going back to like how I use the platform. You mentioned that as opposed to the previous games, there are now five or six different people you can interact with. Mm -hmm. When you are imagining this overall like scenario of the game, how do you keep that organized where there's so many different possible conversation branches and like, you know, uh, distinctions between like one story and another as you progress in the game? Well, I think it, I think it comes down to like, like storyboarding, except you don't storyboard because there's no visuals, right? Um, but like coming up with like a, a diagram or an idea for how you want the player to progress to the game and always basing it off the player. So I, I don't really care how two friends are interacting on the side of it has nothing to do with the player. But when I think about the game and how it progresses, I always want to be thinking about where I want the player at each point. So the game's broken up into like five chapters. So I have a rough idea of like what I want the player to feel during and after the chapter that they go through depending on their choices. And that really helps inform decisions later on down the line kind of having like a mission statement for the game and for the chap each individual chapter. And then some of it's like organic, right? Like you let the player interact with these characters and then the, the characters maybe go off and do their own thing. And you can kind of like, as time passes, just like, where would they be in three months or six months from there? And you kind of can put that back into the game. And so that's fun. Like, like crafting the overall thing and then going through and, and finding these little nuances that kind of come out of the story. Having played the first two games, I do get that organic feeling to the conversations. And I think that plays out in how the stories end without overtly spoiling what happens. I don't know that I would characterize the previous game's endings as either good or bad. People are changing, but there's not like a happy ending necessarily where, you know, people are walking off into the sunset. Is that something you were striving for when you're you were originally conceiving how to write these games yeah for sure and and thank you for saying that and coming away with that because that is like definitely a a driving force behind me wanting to make these games is wanting to make narratives that are realistic because the games themselves are kind of a a tale from my past my my growing up and um to have those like fairy tale endings isn't really real life and a lot of the times I, f I see my games as being the like a gaming game design mentality meets real life interaction where, you know, because of all the games and narratives that we've played, we think, oh, there's got to be a good ending. There's got to be a bad ending. 
there's got to be an ending where I'm with this person or where I'm with this person because I'm I'm the player, you know, I'm the person playing the game. And so all those options must be open to me. But in real life, that's really not how it works. You have a lot of gray endings to relationships or maybe someone just doesn't like you the way that you like them. And that's OK. And so with with these games, I really wanted to kind of convey that mentality of real life meets um, like game narrative logic. And in that is the the gray endings of, you know, there's not really a happy ending. There's not really a sad ending. It's more everything kind of in between. Kyle, just to, to clarify one thing, uh, are you operating on this game completely solo? Is anyone else uh, assisting in any way? Uh, no, yeah, I'm, a, I'm the solo developer of it. How do you keep yourself accountable to yourself in that situation? Well, I mean, I'm sure that you have some insight as well running this podcast and stuff um i i like to set deadlines for myself it's like everybody has their like list of things that they do you know um but i like to set deadlines for myself and i find that every once in a while i'll I'll play the game and that'll get me excited again to make it which is kind of silly but you know if you spend like a week retooling chapter four's branching point and how that affects like the images and photos you see then you go back to the beginning you just like play it and you think oh you know what this is actually pretty good because you spent like a week being like oh man everything's broken but yeah i find that that helps i I mean i can definitely empathize with having to be responsible for putting out your own thing i I just i guess i for for me i I feel like with this podcast while i i love doing it it's like i have a full-time job by day and if you know something happens where I couldn't continue the po- this podcast anymore tomorrow, I would be sad, but it would completely reshape my life. I, my, I mean, you are striving to be a professional game designer and, and that would be, this would be your career, right? But I, I kind of view it in the same way where it's like, you know, I have, I have from doing games and, and stuff, I have a skill set which I could apply to a different career path. And so I just want this thing to exist, right? And so I'm sure that you feel the same way about like your podcast, like you like doing this and you want to, you want to bring it into the world. And so that's like your driving motivation behind making it right. Um, And obviously being solo, it kind of, it helps to have someone to bounce stuff off of, but you can do that without having, you know, teammates, like the the community in Boston is pretty good, indie game community. Um, And so I have friends who are also working on any games. We'll send each other builds and that kind of stuff. And that kind of community definitely helps foster a healthy development cycle you know one thing uh you mentioned the boston indie game community uh in our previous interview you said you hoped i'm paraphrasing here slightly but you said (laughs) you hoped that other younger game developers might explore storytelling through other social media platforms down the line Mm -hmm. i was just curious if being out there uh you had noticed anyone else taking those steps not i mean not specifically in boston but uh, definitely around the world. I mean, there's a ton of, I feel like there's a ton of interface games that are coming to the forefront of, of kind of like indie games as a whole. I mean, you have like more high profile stuff like uh, Hypnospace Outlaw, which came out from Jay Tholen, or you have other stuff like A Normal Lost Phone, or. Um, the one that I picked up recently was uh, Bury Me, My Love, which is a, a story told through like text messages between. Uh, two different people who are refugees from their home country. Yes. Yeah, that one's... Yeah, I saw that one. Did you enjoy it? Uh, I haven't played it yet. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. 
<laughs> it's the secret of every game developer is they never have any time to play any games. <laughs> um, I'm forgetting the name of this this one, but it's it's from a, a bunch of people at uh, NYU. But all oh. of your... Oh, I know yeah. what you're talking. We need to talk. We need to talk. Yes, that's the name. Yeah, it was at Bitbash this year in Chicago. Yeah, that, that game is super cool. And the kind of like the main mechanic in it is that when you choose what you want to say, it's like a combination lock instead of choices. So you choose like the subject and the action and the so instead of saying like the choice being like one, two, three, you can say like, can we talk or like, can I talk to you or stuff like that. And that those tiny little changes like really change the um, meaning behind the message, which I think is kind of an interesting way to look at like texting in like the, you know, modern day is like those small little changes to how we say things have like big implications. I feel like I can't really start any conversation without like exclamation points or smiley emojis. Otherwise, like if I if I don't have those, then I sound too serious or solemn. Right. Exactly. It's exactly like that. All right. Well, just uh, with Emily is away three. Uh, is that plans to come out in 2020? Is that currently the plan? Yes. The plan is summer 2020. Not sure what month yet. Currently, I'm working on chapter five. So that's the last chapter in the game. Uh, once that gets done, I'll just be doing some, like, polishing and editing and that kind of stuff, and then PR stuff headed towards launch. Awesome. Well, then, before I let you go, I did have a few questions that I wanted to run by you that aren't directly related to the game, if that's okay. Yeah, of course. Okay, so I uh, I just remember our, from our interview last year uh, that I, I scolded a PAX enforcer because they interrupted our interview. And <laughs> I guess this isn't a question as much as an apology. I hope I didn't make you uh, uncomfortable while I was doing that. I just was like, it's guys, it's 10 a.m. Why, why are we singing and playing music in the hallway? Yeah, PAX is, is, is pretty extra on that level. And, and as a developer who shows at PAX, you do get <laughs> a little beaten down, not even just by strictly the enforcers, but like just the whole environment is is very like come check our game out come check you know what i mean like you're the the big boost with the the huge paper mache dragon yelling at you the whole time and so yeah i i didn't feel weird at all i completely <laughs> understood that interaction that, that's very appreciated <laughs> uh, now an actual question for you uh with awesome games done quick happening as we are recording this mm -hmm. i wanted to know kyle if there was one game that you had to learn how to speed run so you could show it off at a games done quick event, uh, what would it be? That is such a great question. <laughs> oh man. Now I wouldn't want to pick a well speed run game. I would want I would want to pick a game that would be easy to get the world record because it would be like me and three other people running that game. <laughs> so like something from like the neo geo pocket color yeah exactly like, like some obscure ps2 game okay i got it uh disaster report for ps2 oh because i loved that game when i was a kid and it's like a japanese game that's been poorly translated to english and i just saw it like the cover i was super into the movie to disaster movies in general when i was a kid like poseidon venture and that kind of stuff and so i saw it and i was like oh hell yeah like eight-year-old me was like for sure, this is my game. And I played play that a ton. But yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's that's on the level where 
no one has speed run that game or if they have they were just playing the game and then log that in the speed demo archive or whatever i'll tell you what if you ever decide to take it to one of those events i'll be happy to sit on the couch and say like when you're doing a certain thing well this looks like he's doing it really easily but it's actually really hard <laughs> yeah just make stuff up <laughs> Like you might think that he's just walking around, but there's actually very precise button presses that will decrease his time by a second over the course of the run. <laughs> exactly. Yes. How about you? What what would your game be? Ooh. Well, I happened to see a speed run of of it at uh, I think Summer Games Done Quick, and I was uh, thinking like, yeah, I can maybe learn this. It's a Ninja Spirit for the Turbo Graphics 16. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> it's it's a yeah it's a very old game. Uh, they put it out on like the Turbo Graphics, the Amiga, on Game Boy, and it's like you're just a ninja dude and you walk to the right and you can get like shadow clones that'll power up and do your attacks and you can throw throwing stars or uh, like grenades or use like a kunai. And it's you can if you're doing well, you can beat the game in like 20 minutes. Oh, see that that's that's a good speedrunning game. <laughs> <laughs> one that doesn't take like six hours. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I couldn't do one of the ones where it's like you have to be on points for several hours, like the Mario 64s or like the RPGs, like Pokemon. Yeah, the stuff. endurance ones. Yeah, that, that those are insane. And then just like one misclick and it's over. <laughs> and my final question is now. Last time we did do a question about Pokemon, so I don't want to ask you the same one. I I have a new question prepared. Of all the Pokemon that you know of, which Pokemon would you believe to be the most online? So that could mean, you know, any variation of that. They, they're very popular on Snapchat. They post a lot of awful low-effort memes on Reddit. You know, any, any version of that. I think I'm gonna go with uh yeah Mr. Mime. I think I'd go with Mr. Mime because yeah big brain time. I think Mr. Mime would express himself better online than in person because he's a mime. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. There's multitudes behind that silence you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. How about how about for you? If if there was a Pokemon that could, what do you think? Which Pokemon would be able to do the best podcast? I get. We have to throw me out though. That that would <laughs> that wouldn't be fair. True. I think it would have to be like a flying Pokemon so that like they've they could do like a travel log of some kind or like they could see all the sites in their particular region and report back. So we'll we'll say like a Spearow. Yeah. Like a like a level level 16 Spearow <laughs> and they just they travel around to different towns and meet the wild Pokemon. They they go into the tall grass and rustle around in, in their encounters. They're not, you know, fight item Pokemon run. They're question. <laughs> Observation. Now now you need to make this game, because I want to go question some Pokemon in some tall grass. I think that would be hilarious. Like a Pokemon mod where you just interview Pokemon. <laughs> I will see what I can do to make that happen. I'll download Twine tonight. Thank you. I'll, uh, I'll get my uh, trial license of the Unreal Engine, <laughs> and we'll, we'll get cracking. Good. Kyle, before we go, uh, where can people stay in touch if they want to find out about the game or just uh, what you're up to in general? Yes, you can check out emilyisaway.com. That has all the information on the new game. You can wishlist the new game on Steam, uh, Emily is Away less than three. That would help a lot because it factors into like Steam algorithm-y things. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter at KyleSeely23. 
And Seely is spelled S-E-E-L-E-Y. That is correct. What a good host. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to help out how I can. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much. back from break once more a big thank you to kyle for uh his time we'll be looking forward to emily is away three coming out in the near future die before we go though this week there is one more thing that we have to handle it's important it's very important oh my gosh i think i know what it is what is it is it bill's magic minute it is bill's magic minute oh my gosh yeah yeah we're gonna talk about the new magic set beyond theros that is about to come out so when you already die i do need to randomly determine how much time I get within a uh, one to 60 second time frame. So I'm ready to go. Whoa. Google now has a D20 roller. That you can, <gasps> Amazing. If you just Google D20 roller, it'll give you a roll dice function. That's that's so cool. Impressive. I love it. Good job, Google. So uh, my first roll was a nine. Great. Second roll was an 18. Great. Third roll was a 10. So I get 38 seconds Perfect. to talk about this new magic set. So uh, just let me know when this, we are good to go. This is the most you've gotten in a long time with me personally. I think it, the last time was 16 seconds. Okay. I, I Yeah, I'm, I'm hyped. <laughs> I'm really glad. Thank you. Thank you, Dice. Okay, ready? Go. I was not a huge fan of the original Theros set, so I'm hoping that Beyond Theros has some new mechanics to rely on rather than the heavily aura and enchantment based synergies that appeared in the first one i have seen that they've been reusing some of that here but there are a couple new mechanics especially escape that seem pretty powerful escape basically anytime you allow the graveyard to become a resource and allow people to pay alternate costs to do things then you're gonna get a stew going so i hope they have been a little careful with how they do that but Otherwise, my favorite card from the set so far Man, is a... stop. <laughs> I really wanted to know your favorite card from the set. I'm sure a lot of people did die, Can you but just... they can't. Oh, God. Can you just whisper it to me? If I whisper the name, would you know the name of the card? Yeah. I don't know the name of the card. I'd have to look <laughs> it up. It's like uh, some kind of advisor dude who's a... Uh, that uh, you know, nice try, nice try. That's all I'm gonna say. He's an advisor, dude. I tried getting you to break the to break the rules, but I, I did. I, I failed. I failed. They're there for a reason. <laughs> Die. Die. What can I tell you? That's not my real name. So, is your name Tribillic? Because you're trying to get me to break my own rules. Trilohibillic. Damn! I gave away my other secret name. Oh, jeez. Well, whoever you are, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode. Uh, is there anywhere people can find you if they want to find you? Wow, you can go to diebillick.com. I also have shows. I don't know when this comes out, but I have a show on January 10th uh, with my group Trifecta, and I have a show on January 18th with uh, my friend Molly, and we are called Hoko, and that is at 10 p.m. in Chicago at Stage 773. It is Sketch Fest month, baby. 
Uh, hey, hey. Also, tweet at me, at Billick and tell me how bad I am at gaming. Yay. Yay. You can also do that to me if you want. All that stuff. Uh, so my name is Bill, but I go by so many bits on here. You can uh, email me at so many bits podcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. We're so many bits on there. Follow us on Twitter and Tumblr at so many bits. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Please rate and review or download from Simplecast from YouTube or uh, stream via Spotify. We play games, twitch.tv slash so many bits, Wednesday and Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Central Time, Wednesdays for Magic the Gathering Online or MTG Arena, Thursdays for a variety of different games. Recently, we wrapped up A Way Out. I've also taken a look at Castlevania Symphony of the Night, uh, Mega Man X4, uh, Control, a bunch of different titles that will continue to roll through in 2020. You can also find this podcast alongside of a bunch of other great nerdy podcasts at nerdalogs.com. Lastly, finally, thank you very much for listening. Have a great summer.